under Xi Jinping. China has become more authoritarian uh, domestically and it's become more assertive internationally. Hello and welcome to Perspectives with Nilo, a regular podcast that brings you news and views from around the world. You can find all of our past episodes on our blog site at pwnilo.com or by searching for Perspectives with Nilo on your favorite podcast app. The Consultative Forum on International Security Policy took place in Ireland from June 22nd to the 27th across three different locations. The forum was chaired by Louise Richardson, DBE, and brought together an extensive range of experts who shared their insights on a wide variety of topics, including cybersecurity, lessons from Ireland's UN Security Council membership, peacekeeping, the triple lock, NATO, and much more. While Russia's invasion of Ukraine was top of mind for many, China's increasing assertiveness and support for Russia was less to the fore. Professor Andrew Cotty, who is the EU Jean Monnet Chair in European Political Integration at the Department of Government and Politics at UCC, was among the panel of experts. His research interests include Chinese foreign policy, Sino-European relations, and European relations with the Asia-Pacific region. I sat down with him on the third day of the forum in Dublin to talk about China's increasing assertiveness, the perception of China in Ireland, Confucius Institutes, and China's influence and disinformation operations in Ireland. So, Professor Cotty, uh, thank you for uh, talking with us today, and you're very welcome to Perspectives with Nilo. Thank you. Can I ask you, uh, maybe to just start, uh, what are your general impressions of the Consultative Forum on International Security Policy so far? I mean, I think it's been a very good exercise. I mean, in, it's often said that the debate on security and defence within Ireland is underpowered, underinformed. So hopefully, you know, this is kind of strengthening the debate on these issues. Um, critics on the, if you like, the left or the peace movement side are arguing that the forum has been one-sided. Um, I don't know that 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 can be debated. I think you know, what's what's more more important is is that you know the the, the, the the debate has happened and that those other voices who are critical of the government are are, are, are being heard as well. While I hear uh, there's been a lot of discussion. Uh, of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and and how that impacts international security. Uh, there's been some, although a lot less discussion about uh, the threat from China. Uh, MEP uh, Deirdre Clune did bring the China question up at the opening session on the forum in Cork last Thursday. And, and you were one of the people who, on the panel at that time, who answered the question. So maybe I can just ask again. Uh, uh, so what is your view on the influence of China on international security? Um, well, I suppose kind of China 101 is that, you know, China has grown dramatically in terms of its economy has grown dramatically over the um, last 30 plus years. So 30 years ago, um, China was a very large country, but a very poor country. Now China is a large country and relatively rich or at least rich amongst develop, developing countries and you know many people are saying that China is now a superpower so do we live in in a in a world of two superpowers the United States and China whereas maybe 30 years ago we lived in a world of one superpower um, the second thing I, I would say and this is a point that I made in in the forum um, a couple of days ago is that if you look at China over the last um, decade or so under Xi Jinping, 
um, China has become more authoritarian uh, domestically and it's become more assertive internationally. And, you know, that, that's not just my view. I think if you looked at, you know, most certainly Western China experts, they would take take that, that view as well. So I think we all have to be conscious that China is a real, you know, key global player. It is an authoritarian state under a communist regime and its foreign policy has become more assertive. So I think, you know, we all at least need to be aware of China, let's put it that way, at a minimum. And, and uh, in, in relation to the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, I mean, Xi Jinping visited Russia. Uh, Xi Jinping hasn't uh, called the invasion a war he, or an invasion, indeed. He's called it a crisis. Um, I think only a month ago, 14 months on from the start of the war, he made his first phone call to Zelensky. Um, what do you think China's position uh, on the whole Russia-Ukraine war, how do you think that is influencing Europe? Um, so I think if you look at China's position on the Russian invasion of Ukraine, China has sort of sided with Russia, but to be fair to the Chinese, their position has been more nuanced in the sense that they have, you know, argued in favour of sovereignty and against, in a sense, act, 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 acts of aggression. Um, so far as is known, China hasn't supplied arms to Ukraine, although there may be certain bits of technology and components and so on which are, are coming from China, China to to uh, to Russia. I think in Europe, if you talk to people in Brussels, if you talk to people in the European Commission, in the EU External Action Service, you know they would say this has been something of a wake-up call for Europe about China that we need to be more worried about China and more concerned about its emerging alliance uh, with Russia. At the same time, there are there have been hopes that China might be the one country that could rein in President Putin. Maybe um, China might be in a position to broker an ultimate end to the uh, to the war in Ukraine. How likely that is, who knows. Um, so far, it doesn't appear that China has had much influence in terms of reining in President Putin. Possibly China may have perhaps pressed President Putin to tone down some of his rhetoric around um, nuclear weapons. I saw a comment back in October 2022 where the head of uh, Germany's domestic intelligence service, a fellow called uh, Thomas Halden uh, Wang, said that when I speak to foreign partners about China, they always say Russia is the storm, China is the climate change. Uh, you also said in your answer to uh, MEP Deirdre Clune's question that relations with China in the future are going to be difficult. Uh, do you agree that Russia is the storm and China is the climate change? And what do you mean when you say uh, relations with China in the future are going to be difficult? Um, well, the logic that Russia is the storm and China is the climate change is that if you think in kind of crude power terms, you know, China is just a much, much, much bigger economy than Russia. And, you know, therefore, in global terms, China already matters in many ways, perhaps more than Russia, and is likely co to continue to. Russia, in contrast, you know, 
is economically relatively weak. I mean, the way I kind of always try and explain this to people is that if, if I wanted to sell you a Russian fridge or a Russian car or a Russian laptop, would you have any interest? So beyond um, gas, uh, oil and weapons, Russia doesn't have very much to offer the world economically, whereas you know Ch China matter, matters much more. So that's, I think, the logic that China is, 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 is the bigger challenge and sorry then i've forgotten the second part of your question you, yeah you said that uh, dealing with them in the future is going to be difficult and I, I just wanted you to expand a little on what you mean by that um so if you if you look over the past um 20 25 years the eu has developed what it calls a strategic partnership with china so that meant trying to cooperate with china on climate change on even things like peacekeeping, naval piracy operations off the coast of Somalia, um, economic development policy in Africa. So that was one logic which said, you know, China is or can be Europe's partner. And I think those days in some senses are gone. Yes, we need to try and work with China on some issues. Climate change would be the most obvious one. But I think if you look at any range of issues it's very difficult to my mind not to think that Europe's relations with China are going to be problematic so if you take human rights you know China has become significantly more authoritarian over the last decade you know Amnesty International Human Rights Watch any you know human rights organization will tell you this and that's before you even get into the question of what's going on with the Uyghur Muslim population in, in, in Xinjiang which is ab absolutely appalling so Europe already has a big human rights issue with China um, secondly then on a range of regional and global issues um, South China Sea um, island disputes with Japan um, Taiwan, China is taking a more forward position, you know, and has been over the, the last decade, and that raises difficult issues for, for Europe. Maybe one broad thing to say is, I mean, within Europe, there, there is a debate between, so that you can call it a kind of strategic triangle debate. Is there a strategic triangle between Europe, the United States, and China? And some people, sometimes argue for a position of European equidistance, if you like, that Europe should be approximately equidistant between the US and China. Others argue that Europe is or should be closer to the United States. And I think my bottom line on that is that in the end, Europe has and is going to have more, probably significantly more, in common with the United States than it has with communist China. How do you think uh, the understanding and awareness is in Ireland as regards how China operates and uh, China's increasing assertiveness and indeed propaganda as well? I think there's probably a relatively low level of knowledge about China. Um, and I mean, one way I think about this is that, you know, if people know China and Chinese politics, they would know that actually there's no, in the Chinese system, there's no difference between the Chinese state and government on the one hand and the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party controls the, fully controls the Chinese government and the Chinese state. The tentacles, if we put it like that, of the Chinese Communist Party 
run throughout Chinese society. And I think that's kind of Chinese politics 101 for informed China observers. But I think many people in Ireland probably wouldn't understand that. So I think, you know, there's, 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 there's a gap there. And maybe just to take one, one um, example, um, Confucius Institutes. So these are the institutes which the Chinese government has established to promote Chinese language and Chinese culture overseas. And they've in particular been set up in universities globally, including a number of the Irish universities, um, including my own university, University College Cork. And there are real questions about these Confucius Institutes. For example, many observers argue that they have been um, mechanisms for monitoring and policing the behavior of Chinese students and Chinese citizens outside uh, China. And again, I think this is the kind of thing which people in Ireland probably might not be be aware of. So there are you know, any number of things which China is doing, not just in China, but globally, which we need to be aware of. In your recent uh, Examiner article on neutrality, you said that neutrality could be traced back as far as between ancient Greek city-states and that then it was considered a protection for states. Do you think that being neutral alone will insulate Ireland uh, from being the target of authoritarian regimes or other bad actors? Um, it may do. Um, I guess the, the, the short answer is, 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 is we can't be sure. And you could argue that being neutral means that, you know, Russia will be less worried about Ireland, it will have less interest in intervening in Irish waters or you know, sending warplanes into, into um, Irish uh, airspace. But I think it is worth noting that, you know, we have seen um, nuclear-capable Russian bombers flying through Irish airspace over the last decade or, or, or thereabouts. And of course, the, the, the Air Corps has very limited capabilities and can, can do nothing to kind of intercept or monitor these. And then, of course, you know, um, you know just over a year or a bit ago, we had these Russian naval exercises um, in Irish waters. So neutrality might um, protect uh, Ireland from interference from Russia, China, or I don't know, North, North, North Korea. Um, but at the same time, we can't be certain of it. And, you know, some people argue that Ireland might be a kind of strategic weak spot on Europe's west in, in the Atlantic, which Russia might try to exploit at, 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 at some point. Some people sometimes will say, you know, Ireland, we're a small neutral country. Um, you know, everybody loves us. We don't have any enemies. Um, what could anybody want from us? Why would anybody want to hurt us? And sometimes I think, well, maybe authoritarian states, what they want from us is our voice. They want to control our voice because we have voice at the UN, we had at the UN Security Council, in the European Parliament, many other international fora. Do you think there's merit in that kind of uh, thinking or being aware of uh, that could be a mechanism that authoritarian regimes may take advantage? Um, I think there is something in that argument. Um, you know, if 
let me put it this way, if Russia or China were able to peel the EU island away from the EU consensus on Ukraine, from Vladimir Putin's perspective, that, 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 that would be a plus. Um, so, you know, I th you can see why. And I mean, it's not inconceivable that we may already have experienced Russian disinformation operations in Ireland. And how would we know? Um, more broadly, the, the bit that comes to my mind is, is, is Northern Ireland. Um, I think Russia, under its current leadership, has an interest in anything which destabilizes, causes instability, undermines NATO or the EU, or if you like, the West more broadly. Northern Ireland could be one of those points. So you could imagine at future, you know, if we got to the point of some hypothetical uh, referendum or series of referendums in the Republic and in Northern Ireland on, on future unification, that um, Russia might have interests in causing instability, stirring up trouble and so on. So I think, you know, disinformation is one of the things that people ought to be sensitized to and, you know, thinking about where remarks on Twitter or else, 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 elsewhere come from. I think there's some precedent for that also, isn't there? There were some Russian agents, I think, uh, in, in a couple of years ago, they were, um, they were sent home uh, because of causing interference among factions in Northern Ireland. Indeed. And I mean, you know, there seems to be at least some evidence that... Um, Russia may have intervened on the pro-Brexit side in the Brexit referendum in the UK in 2016. Again, if you think about it, you know, Brexit is a win for Vladimir Putin. If you look at all the trouble, it's peeled the United Kingdom away from the EU and it's caused an enormous amount of trouble between the European Union and the United Kingdom and here on this island in relation to Northern Ireland. That's a win for Vladimir Putin, as far as, far as I, I, I can see. Uh, EU President Ursula von der Leyen, in her speech on EU-China relations at the end of March, was unambiguous on the many threats China poses to our international rules-based order, including the ramping up of their policies and of disinformation, as we've just been speaking about, and economic and trade coercion, and China's deliberate policy targeting other countries to ensure they comply and conform. How do you assess China's level of influence in Ireland? Um... I want to look at the numbers. I have to admit I don't know the, the, the trade statistics and the investment statistics in terms of um, Ireland and China. Um, my general sense is that it wouldn't be very great. So I think there are, there are other European countries where China has invested more or where, the, or where trade with China uh, is um, more uh, important um, and I think it would be interesting you know maybe if you or someone else can can pull together the, the, the data on, 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 on you know what, what what's Ireland's trade with China what's um, China's invest investment in Ireland and I think you know it would be it would be interesting to know and to have a bit of public debate around that maybe the point is it gives them leverage well potent potentially absolutely and you know if you think about for example if the Irish government wanted to criticize china over xinjiang or over taiwan mm -hmm. 
imagine a situation where there was um, a significant economic grouping within Ireland which said, hold on a minute, we're concerned that this might undermine, you know, our economic relationship with China and they might be quietly or not so quietly knocking on the Irish government's door, asking them to tone down their criticism of China over, over Xinjiang or, or Taiwan. I mean, that's a very, uh, I guess, topic, interesting question that you bring up in that um, there are 15 other EU states with a presence in, the, in Taiwan. They are members of the EU trade office in Taiwan. However, Ireland is not. Ireland did have a trade office there until 2012, but uh, we then closed our office and have, no, have not reopened it, despite, I think, many calls uh, from people in Ireland to, to reopen the office. Uh, Taiwan is, of course, the leader in, in semiconductors in the world. I mean, there are many other technologies that they also um, have developed and are very successful at, for example, offshore wind. I had recently had a uh, podcast in offshore wind and Taiwan has been started their first offshore wind farm in 2017. There's a lot to be, I think there's a lot to be learned from partnering with, with a country like Taiwan. Um, and I, I, I mentioned that in, in, in the context of the fact that you are the, the EU, you're the Jean Monnet chair in EU political integration at, at UCC. Um, and so as, as we have just celebrated EU 50, do you think Ireland is, um, you know, as integrated with the EU as it could be, um, or do you think there are there are specific items that Ireland does not participate in, even though we're celebrating this great embrace of the EU at 50 years uh, membership, uh, like like the Taiwan Trade Office, um, that that could be, uh, you know, influenced by China, uh, or, or such such mechanisms. Um. So I mean, I mean, firstly, I just yes, you know, more broadly, I mean, in general, obviously, Ireland, I think, has been an active and you know fully participating member of the European Union. But as we've heard in the debates at this forum, um, the EU's common security and defence policy is one of the areas where Ireland has been relatively cautious, if 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 if, if we put it like that, mm -hmm. um, and you know particularly maybe over the last year since the Ukraine war, the government has taken various decisions stepping up um, Ireland's engagement in terms of CSDP. And then on to your Taiwan um, question, yeah, I think I personally I would pro probably probably favour um, Ireland having a presence in, 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 the, in the EU um, trade office in uh, Taiwan. Um, Again, what would be interesting to know is, you know, has China ever been able to gently lean on the Irish government around this issue? And I mean, you know, it, it, whatever about the specifics of that, it's well known that the Chinese are, you know, on the one hand skilled, but sometimes not very subtle in terms of, you know, leaning on um, other countries not to do things vis-a-vis -vis in, in engaging with Taiwan. Yeah, the I think the reason it's a curious question is because um, following Nancy Pelosi's visit uh, to Taiwan last August and the uh, Chinese blockade of the island, uh, there were several statements by the EU, including uh, High Commissioner Joseph Borrell, who pretty much uh, said, you know, European states should intensify their trade with Taiwan. And I think his thinking is that, you know, by having the more connections with Taiwan, uh, you know, it, it discourages 
any type of blockade because it affects the relationship with China also. Um, and I think the EU has been uh, very forthright in 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 pursuing uh, uh, trade relations with Taiwan. Um, and as regards the EU CHIPS Act, which was recently uh, put into law, um, the EU CHIPS Act defines what it calls like-minded partners, doing building trade links and doing business with like-minded partners, and among them is Taiwan. So if you look at all these things and add up the facts, uh, I may not be seeing them all, but uh, it does seem that Ireland is quite an outlier when it comes to our presence in Taiwan. I think that that, that, that that could well be the case. I think you're certainly right that the EU is um, building up its relations with Taiwan. At the same time, I would say the EU is being somewhat cautious about this. So the EU is also, you know, very aware of the whole one China question and, you know, the need not to unnecessarily antagonize China. But that but that being said, nonetheless, the EU is gradually um, building up its relations with, with Taiwan. And it's interesting maybe in terms of the EU institutions, because one of the bits of the EU that's pushing this, I think in particular, is the European Parliament. The European Parliament, I would argue, has been you know strongly supportive of, of Taiwan and of stronger Euro EU European engagement with Taiwan, and I think you might you might be correct that I Ireland is something of an out outlier on this, and it maybe goes back to the issue we discussed at the beginning of this interview, which is about levels of knowledge in Ireland. I think you know, you asked about levels of knowledge of China, and maybe I argued that they're somewhat low. Be reasonable to say that levels of knowledge of Taiwan in Ireland are are, are even lower. And I think, you know, if perhaps if Irish people had more of an understanding that, you know, Taiwan is an incredible democratic and economic success story over the last 30 years or so. And it's surely one that, that, that should should be defended if, if one believes in democracy and believes in democracy as a as a global force. To my mind, Taiwan would be one of the great success stories of the last 30 years, and and sh and should should be should be a a a, pe a people we are supporting. Professor Andrew Cuddy is the EU Jean Monnet Chair in European Political Integration at the Department of Government and Politics at UCC, and was among the panel of experts at the recent consultative forum on international security policy. Following up on the question of trade statistics. A recent report from Eurostat on China-EU trade shows Ireland was the fourth largest EU state exporter of goods to China in 2022, with Germany being number one in absolute terms. Ireland is the only EU state with a positive trade balance with China, and on a per capita basis, Ireland ranks at number one with double the exports of Germany, a country often considered to be exposed to China. My sincere thanks again to Professor Cotty for sharing his valuable insights with us on Perspectives with Nilo. You can find out more about his work on our blog site at pwnilo.com, where we have linked his research profile, the Eurostat EU-China Trade Report, and some additional references for you to dive deeper. You can also follow Perspectives with Nilo on Spotify, iTunes, and most podcast apps, as well as on Instagram and Twitter. And we'd really appreciate a like or a follow if you enjoy our content. Well, that's where we leave it for now. Until the next time, thank you for listening. Slánach Spanacht.